Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. Welcome to episode 206 of the GDPR Weekly Show, the number one GDPR podcast worldwide. In this week's episode, we have news of a data breach at Neopet. We then have news that the UK National Cyber Security Centre and the ICO are urging lawyers to stop their clients paying ransoms when ransomware attacks take place. We then travel to America where we have news that Mark Zuckerberg is to make a appearance in the Cambridge Analytica court hearing. We then have news of a data breach at Twitter. We then travel to Denmark where Denmark rules that the use of Gmail and Chromebooks is to be non-compliant with GDPR and is to be ceased by government bodies. We then travel to London where St George's University Hospital pays 2,500 damages after a data breach. We then look at the top 10 table for data breaches in quarter 2 of 2022. And perhaps no surprise that Russia comes top of the list, but you might be interested in who else makes up the top 10. We then travel to India, now in America, where the Methodist Hospital are paying $425,000 after a data breach. Then remaining in America, we travel to Manhattan, where a former CIA employee has been convicted after a massive data breach to WikiLeaks. We then travel to Washington, D.C., where the U.S. Justice Department faces an $8.5 million bill after a data breach. We then travel to California, where Blue Shield has had a data breach, and then to Florida, where Williams Company is suing an ex-employee after a data breach. We then travel to Colorado, where Professional Finance Company has had a data breach, and we then return to the UK, where the UK cybersecurity chiefs back the idea of automated detection of child abuse images. We then travel back to America, where Oklahoma City Housing Authority has had a data breach, and we then travel to Rhode Island in the USA, where Trade Source has been ordered to pay $230,000 after a data breach. We then travelled to Western Australia, where the Perth Festival has had a data breach, and then back to the USA, where T-Mobile has having to pay $350 million after a data breach. And finally to Italy, where Google faces an antitrust probe initially over complaints about it failing to comply with data portability under GDPR. There's always a wide range of articles for you this week. We hope that you find the information in the articles useful and informative. As always, if you have any feedback for us, please do email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. The popular virtual pet website Neopet says it's launched an investigation after a hacker breached its databases with one website claiming the personal data of up to 69 million users may have been stolen. Neopets recently became aware that customer data had been stolen. It appears that email addresses and passwords used to access Neopets accounts may have been affected, the company said in a statement issued on its official Twitter account on Thursday. The site said it launched an investigation, assisted by a leading forensics firm, contacted law enforcement and was improving its security. It's believed that about 69 million users have been affected and it's been reported that a hacker has provided a screenshot purporting to show the data stolen including names, states of birth, email addresses, postcodes, gender, country and other site and game related information. The hacker was offered the data for sale on Tuesday, asking for four bitcoins equivalent to 90,500 US dollars, 75,500 UK pounds. Bleeping Computer reported the hacker had stolen the database and approximately 460 megabytes of source code from the Neopets.com website, but did not reveal how they gained access. The hacker reportedly told the publication they did not ransom the data to jumpstart the owner of the Neopets, but have received interest from potential buyers. Neopets have since urged users to change their passwords and promised to provide an update as the investigation continues. 
The Neopets website, launched in 1999, provides a virtual world that allows you to care for pets, play games, earn currency called Neocash, shop for clothes, build and furnish houses, and chat on forums. The site is also looking to turn its virtual pet characters into a line of NFTs. If we receive any further updates from Neopets, we will of course bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. The UK's National Cyber Security Centre, the NCSC, and the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, have issued a joint letter to the Law Society urging lawyers to warn their clients against paying cybercrime ransoms. The guidance follows a rise in ransomware payments being made by businesses and seeks to emphasise the stance of both the NCSC and the ICO that payment of a ransom will not keep data safe or be viewed as mitigation. In their letter, the NCSC and the ICO cited evidence of an increase in the number of ransomware attacks and ransom amounts being paid. We are aware that legal advisors are often retained to advise clients who have fallen victim to ransomware on how to respond and whether to pay. It has been suggested to us that a belief persists that payment of a ransom may protect the stolen data and or result in a lower penalty by the ICO should it undertake an investigation. We would like to be clear that this is not the case. Payment does not guarantee decryption of networks or the return of stolen data, nor does it lessen potential regulatory fallout, the letter says. UK data protection law requires organisations to take appropriate technical and organisational measures to keep personal information secure and to restore information in the event of an information security incident. The ICO does not consider the payment of monies to criminals who have attacked the system as mitigating the risk to individuals, and this will not reduce any penalties incurred through ICO Enforcement Act. Instead, the ICO said it recognises mitigation of risk as organisations taking steps to fully understand what has happened and learn from it, raising their incident with the NCSC and law enforcement where appropriate, and evidencing that they've taken advice from or can demonstrate compliance with appropriate NCSC guidance and support. The legal sector has a key role to play in reversing ransomware payment trends, according to NCSC CEO Lindy Cameron. Ransomware remains the biggest online threat to the UK, and we do not encourage or condone paying ransoms to criminal organisations. Cybersecurity is a collective effort, and we urge the legal sector to work with us as we continue our efforts to fight ransomware and keep the UK safe online, they said. John Edwards, UK Information Commissioner, added that engaging with cybercriminals and paying ransoms only incentivises other criminals to carry out malicious activity. We've seen cybercrime costing UK firms billions over the last five years. The response to that must be vigilance, good cyber hygiene, including keeping appropriate backup files and proper staff training to identify and stop attacks. Organisations will get more credit for these arrangements than by paying off the criminals, he said. If you're a long-time listener to the GDPR show, then you might remember that way back in episode 22, we first mentioned about the Cambridge Analyst Data Breach, and we then brought you updates in episode 178 and episode 194. Well, this week, Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg has agreed to testify in a lawsuit over Facebook's Cambridge Analytics Data Breach. Current COO Sheryl Sandberg, who is leaving Meta in the autumn, has also been asked to provide testimony. Zuckerberg will be deposed for up to six hours and Sandberg for five hours in September, according to a filing on Tuesday in the District Court of the Northern District of California, San Francisco Division. Javier Olivem, Meta's Chief Growth Officer, who is taking over as Chief Operating Officer once Sandberg leaves, will be deposed for three hours. Depositions will take place privately, so there's no indication Zuckerberg or Sandberg would take the stand during a potential trial. The depositions stem from a 2018 California class action lawsuit over the user data. 
Washington, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine also sued Facebook over his data practices in 2018 after it revealed that the personal data of 87 million Facebook users in the U.S. was exposed during a breach in 2015. Researchers at Cambridge Analytica, which was affiliated with the Donald Trump presidential campaign, may have misused the data during the 2016 presidential election. The case is ongoing and in May, Zuckerberg was sued separately by Racine with a complaint alleging the CEO was directly involved in things that led to the data breach. Zuckerberg was also required to testify before Congress on the data breach. In 2019, Meta, then known as Facebook, reached an unprecedented $5 billion US dollar settlement with the US Federal Trade Commission over the data breach. We asked Meta for a comment about Mark Zuckerberg being deposed to make this appearance, and Meta declined to comment. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. A Twitter data breach has allowed an attacker to get access to the contact details of 5.4 million accounts. Twitter has confirmed the security vulnerability which allowed the data to be extracted. The data which ties Twitter handles to phone numbers and email addresses has been offered on sale on a hacking forum for $30,000. While Twitter has since patched the vulnerability, the database allegedly acquired from the exploit is now being sold on a popular hacking forum. Back in January, a report was made on HackerOne of a vulnerability that allowed an attacker to acquire the phone number and or email address associated with Twitter accounts, even if the user was hidden these fields in the privacy settings. A threat actor is now selling the data allegedly acquired from this vulnerability. Earlier today, a new user selling the Twitter database on breach forums, the famous hacking forum that gained international attention earlier this month with the Alibaba data breach exposing over 1 billion Chinese residents. The seller on the hacking forum goes by the username Devil and claims the database includes details of various celebrities. The owner of the hacking forum verified the authenticity of the attack and Restore Privacy said that two samples of the database check out. Restore Privacy said we downloaded a sample database for verification and analysis. It includes people from around the world with public profile information as well as a Twitter user's email or phone number used with the account. All samples we looked at match up with real world people that can be easily verified with public profiles on Twitter. This is a serious threat as people can not only find users who have restricted the ability to be found by email or phone number, but any attacker with a basic knowledge of scripting and coding can enumerate a big chunk of the Twitter user base unavailable to remuneration prior to this breach. Such bases can be sold to malicious parties for advertising purposes or for the purposes of targeting celebrities in different malicious activities. There is as yet no way of checking whether your account was included in the Twitter data breach. So as always, be aiware of potential phishing attacks, emails claiming to be from your bank, from PayPal, maybe from even your hosting provider, which asks you to log into your account. If it doesn't look right, then don't log in via the email that you receive. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. To Denmark now, and Denmark's data watchdog has banned stalls from using Google's Workspace productivity suite amid growing fears that tech giants' products are not compatible with GDPR. It's the latest European regulator to rule that Google's international data transfers are in breach of the EU's data protection laws in recent months. The ruling from the Danish Data Protection Agency follows a risk assessment of personal data processing by primary stores in the housing and municipality in northeastern Denmark. From 3rd of August, public sector organisations in the region will be banned from using Google Workspace, which includes Gmail and the Google Docs suite of apps, as well as any Chromebook laptops. Those that do not comply with the ban could face jail time as a result. Although this ruling initially only applies in Helsinger, it's likely to be extended across the country to every Danish municipality using Google as more investigations are carried out. 
The Danish regulator said that its investigations concluded that personal data on Danish citizens using workspace and Chromebooks was being transferred to US-based servers without the appropriate level of anonymization and so being incompatible with GDPR. Data transfers in Europe and the US have technically been illegal since the ruling in the so-called SREMS 2 case, which we've mentioned many times here on GDPR Weekly Show, which found that an existing agreement between the US and Europe, called the Privacy Shield, was not compatible with GDPR. This is because US law allows its government to requisition client data from companies on national security grounds, something which is prohibited under GDPR. Since then, companies have been relying on different legal instruments, standard contractual clauses for transatlantic data transfers, which offer increased protection, but the legitimacy of these remains largely untested in court, and a new agreement, the Transatlantic Data Privacy Framework, was brokered earlier this year, and indeed we've mentioned that privacy here on the GDPR Weekly Show. At present, it only exists as a political rather than a legal level, is likely to be challenged by privacy campaigners if and when it can force. We've mentioned in episodes 178 and 194 about Google Analytics also having been found to be in violation of GDPR. And now this latest ruling from Denmark, of course, means that it could spread even further with Gmail and Chromebooks potentially being ruled to be outside of GDPR. We know that Google has worked on a revised version of Google Analytics, which is now being released, which it claims removed the issues that led to Google Analytics being declared illegal in several EU countries. But we've not yet had any response from Google about what they plan to do about Gmail and about Chromebooks. Once we have an update from Google, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. To London now, and an 82-year-old man has successfully been awarded £2,500 in compensation after suing St George's University Hospital after sensitive information regarding his terminal illness was breached. Edmund Pillay is suffering from bladder cancer and has undergone a serious operation as part of his treatment at the hospital. His daughter complained to the hospital following the operation as she was unhappy with the level of care her father had received. The hospital investigated the complaint and the response was sent to Pillay's niece rather than his daughter, revealing details of his terminal illness to a family member that had been previously unaware. Mr Pillay says he's a very private person and the data breach has left him embarrassed, anxious and ashamed to see his family. Mr Pillay's daughter had then complained again, this time for the breach of data, and provided details to her cousin which revealed her father's illness. St George's University Hospital said that their complaint's generic email address had received an email to say that Mr Pillay's niece had called to the patient's advice and liaison service, PALS, inquiring about a complaint. His niece's email was picked up by a former member of the complaints team who confused the name with Mr Pillay's daughter, believing she recognised the name and sent an email to the staff member who dealt with his daughter's complaint and asked them to resend the complaint response letter. The member of staff then sent a copy of the letter to the email address provided in the email from the Powers team, which was Mr Pillay's niece rather than his daughter. His niece then told other family members about his bloody cancer, which has been incredibly distressing. Following the series of complaints, Mr Pillay sought legal advice from Liverpool-based High Street solicitors who successfully secured two and a half thousand compensation. Mr Pillay explained, having bladder cancer has caused enough emotional distress, but the breach has made this so much worse. Niam Jones, head of data breach at High Street Solicitors, added, data breaches are simply unacceptable. The thing to what Mr Pillay has been through is devastating enough, but to add in a data breach where his diagnosis and treatment has been revealed to family members he'd chosen not to tell, has many repercussions, including causing him further distress, whilst he's unwell. It's essential that we hold hospitals or any company that causes the data breach to account, and the person whose data has been breached is rightly compensated. 
some interesting statistics on which countries have suffered the most data breaches in the last quarter. This is a quarter from March 2022 to June 2022. In top place with most breaches is Russia, perhaps not unsurprisingly, as doubtless various gangs from around the world, plus various governments, would have chosen to try and attack Russian IT systems given the ongoing war in Ukraine. In second place is India, then China in third, Brazil in fourth, the USA in fifth, South Korea in sixth, Japan in seventh, Indonesia in eighth, France in ninth, and Ukraine in tenth. It's interesting to see the very wide variation between Russia being in first place and Ukraine, okay, making the top ten, but only in tenth place, which perhaps goes to show perhaps a waiting in where hackers have got their feelings at the moment. I think the other thing which leaps out for me for these figures is the number of Asian countries involved. From the top ten, five countries are in Asia, which seems a disproportionate weighting towards the Asian area. So it be interesting to see whether that changes when we come to review the figures for quarter three, which we will of course bring you as soon as we can, right here on the public show. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. To Indiana now, and the Methodist Hospitals has agreed to pay up to 425000 US dollars to set up a class action lawsuit that alleges it failed to adequately protect patients' personal information from being exposed to a data breach. Individuals who received a notification from Methodist Hospitals about a data breach may be entitled to benefits from the class action settlement. From about March the 13th to June the 12th, 2019, Methodist Hospitals reported the experience of cyber attack that resulted in the disclosure of personal and protected health information, including names, addresses, birth dates, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, passport numbers, Medicare numbers, Medicaid numbers, payment card information, diagnosis and treatment information, usernames, passwords and other information. The data breach class action lawsuit alleges that Methodist hospitals failed to adequately protect this personal information, leaving it vulnerable to a data breach. Methodist hospitals denied any wrongdoing but agreed to settle the data breach class action lawsuit to avoid the risk and burden of ongoing litigation. The Methodist Hospital Settlement provides eligible class members three options for benefits. Credit monitoring identity restoration enrollment, reimbursements for economic losses and reimbursements for lost time. Class members may elect to enrol in a credit monitoring and identity theft insurance plan that Methodist Hospitals has agreed to pay for. Class members who experience documented economic losses due to the Methodist data breach that have not been reimbursed and claim up to $3,000, and those who spent time attempting to minimise the risk of the data breach and or address potential fraud may be able to claim up to $300 for the documented time. Documentation may include receipts, void checks, bank statements or other documents that show the amount of the losses and or a detailed description. The deadline to opt out or object to the data breach class action settlement passed on May 6, 2022, and the Methodist Hospital Settlement received final approval on June 13, 2022. A deadline to file a claim in the Methodist Hospital's data breach settlement is October 6, 2022. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. A computer programmer helped the Central Intelligence Agency design some of its most sensitive and secretive hacking tools was convicted on Wednesday of handing over troves of internal CIA documents to WikiLeaks in the infamous Vault 7 leak, which prosecutors called one of the most brazen and damaging acts of espionage in American history. Jurors in the Manhattan Federal Court convicted 33-year-old Joshua Short on all nine counts, including illegal gathering of national defence information and illegal transmission of unlawfully possessed documents. Nicholas 
Blaise, a spokesman from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, confirmed this week. Prosecutors have argued that Schultz leaked the documents to WikiLeaks in 2017 because he held a grudge against the CIA for failing to take his workplace complaint seriously. Schultz, who represented himself at the trial, reportedly argued there wasn't enough evidence to prove he leaked the documents and claimed the CIA was seeking to frame him for the incident, even though other staffers had access to information. Schultz was previously put on trial two years ago, but the judge declared a mistrial after jurors couldn't reach a verdict on most of the charges. Schultz still stands to face a separate child pornography trial after agents said they discovered evidence during the research of his computer. He is pleaded not guilty. Until 2016, Schultz worked for an elite CIA team whose remit was to make programs that can break into the phones and computers of US adversaries. But according to a June New Yorker article, Schultz grew frustrated with the CIA due to various disputes with his colleagues who reportedly conducted their spy movie-esque work in an environment comparable to a fraternity complete with pranks, nerf gun fights and insulting nicknames. By 2017, stores of information on the safety of cyber tools designed by Short's team appeared on Julian Assange's controversial website WikiLeaks, an embarrassing moment for the CIA that rendered some of its programs essentially useless. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Remaining in the USA, but now going to Washington, D.C., and plaintiff's lawyers representing a class of millions of federal employees in a data breach lawsuit against the U.S. asked a Washington, D.C. judge on Thursday to award more than $8.5 million in legal fees for their work securing a $63 million settlement. The class attorneys at San Francisco-based Gerald Sharp, working with 14 other firms, said in a court filing that the novelty and complexity of the litigation, which began in 2015, justified the requested fee. Compensation would not be cut from the settlement fund, but instead be paid separately according to the terms of the settlement. The settlement, which won preliminary approval last month, resolves claims against the U.S. Office of Personnel Management over a 2014 data breach that exposed sensitive information of more than 21 million current and former federal employees and their families. Class counsel bore very real and substantial costs in order to obtain this significant relief for that class. Plaintiff lawyer Daniel Girard told U.S. District Judge Amy Berman-Jackson. The government has not said whether it will challenge the amount of the fee request. A Justice Department spokesperson declined to comment. The Office of Personnel Management announced in 2015 that its systems had been breached and it spurred a flood of lawsuits. Plaintiffs' alleged injuries included financial account fraud and misuse of social security numbers. The US state provided free identity theft protection and other services in response to the breach and so far more than 3.2 million people have signed up for the service. The government's tab for victim services will reach about $1 billion by 2026, the class attorney said. The US said it will pay $60 million as part of the settlement, and $3 million will come from government contractor Periton Risk Decision. Eligible class members can receive payments up to $10,000 in damages. Girard, who bills his time at $1,195 hourly, said his firm had sunk more than 5,000 hours into the case, generating more than $4.2 million in fees. The Washington, D.C.-based law firm Cooper & Turk was the second highest bidder at $1.1 million. Firm managing partner David Thompson was billing his time at $1,395 per hour. A fairness hearing is scheduled for October the 14th, 2022. To California now, and Blue Shield of California Promise Health Plan have announced that on May the 20th, 2022, they learned that one of the plan's vendors, Matrix Medical Network, was a victim of a ransomware attack. 
The major attack was related to an incident in one of the company's vendors, One Touch Point. On April 28, 2022, One Touch Point informed Matrix of the incident and in turn Matrix informed Blue Shield of the incident. Upon learning of the ransomware attack, One Touch Point terminated unauthorised access and began investigating into the incident. The investigation revealed that the unauthorised party had access to plan and members' protected health information. Upon discovering that sensitive consumer data was accessible to an unauthorised party, Blue Shield then reviewed the compromised files to determine what information was compromised and which plan members were affected. While the breach information varies depending on the individual, it may include your name, subscriber ID, diagnosis, meditations, address, date of birth, sex, advanced directives, family history, social history, allergies, vital statistics, immunisations, encounter data, assessment ID number and assessment date. On July 11, 2022, Blue Shield sent out data breach letters to all individuals as information was compromised as a result of the data security incident. If we get any further update from Blue Shield, we will of course bring it to you right here on the GDPR Weekly Show. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. To Florida now, and Williams Company, which has a portfolio of major projects at SeaWorld Orlando and Legoland Florida, says that an employee who quit his job downloaded and stole a trove of confidential information before he left. On his way out the door, the ex-employee obtained documents such as the company's bank account statements and tax returns, as well as 401k information containing the employees' names, social security numbers, birth dates and their conversation according to federal court documents. Williams Company Management Group, which has offices in Maitland and Tampa, notified law enforcement the company said in a federal lawsuit filed this week against its former employee, Paul Kamazi. Kamazi, first hired as a project manager in 2017, rose through the ranks and was promoted to construction technology manager. Tomasi's role allowed him to have an intimate knowledge surrounding the company's information technology systems and the protections the company used to safeguard its confidential information and trade secrets, Williams' company said in a lawsuit. On January 28th this year, Tomasi resigned. He told the company it was for unforeseen personal issues. Tomasi allegedly told colleagues the reason for his resignation was that he wanted to wake up at noon and play video games all day, Williams' company said in a lawsuit. Two months later, the company learns about the data breach and the Tomazis shared the information with non-executive employees. Tomazis' former co-workers warned the company what had happened, the lawsuit said. Tomazi had misused the trolley's login to access confidential and proprietary business information. Tomazi also gave information to other third parties, none of whom had any right, entitlement or access to the information. The lawsuit describes a contentious relationship between Tomazi and the company's leaders before he quit. The company alleged in the lawsuit that Tomazi was sharing the stolen information to further fuel his conspiracy theory and flame false narratives about the company and its senior management in an effort to create chaos and distort at the company. In the aftermath of the data breach, Williams' company said it contacted law enforcement, hired a forensic computer analyst and launched an internal investigation. Williams' company also notified employees whose personal records have been stolen and has identity theft protection and credit monitoring with $1 million coverage for each impacted employee. The lawsuit did not say how many employees were affected, and the company and its attorneys did not immediately respond to questions. All the company's efforts to deal with the damage cost more than $5,000, Williams' company said. It's now suing Tomazi, who refused to give the records back when blessed by the company, according to the lawsuit. Williams' company didn't disclose which law enforcement agency it reported the data theft to. We reached out to Mr. Tomazi for a comment, but he has not come back to us by the time we go to broadcast. If we do get any updates on this item from Mr. Tomazi, or from Williams' company, we will just bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon.
to North Colorado now and professional finance company, a debt collection company, has had a ransomware attack which potentially exposed the data of almost 2 million patients, according to update on HHS's breach reporting portal. Professional finance company has informed more than 650 of its healthcare provider clients that their data may have been affected. It's the second largest health data breach this year after a cyber attack of medical imaging and outpatient services provider Shields Healthcare Group in March. Cyber attacks in the healthcare sector are becoming more frequent, spurring industry concern as an attack on one company can have broad repercussions of patient data in today's era of interconnected health information systems. Recently, iCare management software provider iCare Leaders, patient care guidelines provider MCG Health, and health tech company OmniCell have all been hit by breaches. The PFC attack affected the data of more than 1.9 million patients. Before PFC detected and blocked the attack, hackers were able to access and disable some of the company's computers, giving access to information such as patient names, addresses, social security numbers, and health insurance and medical treatment data. Affected providers include Arizona-based non-profit Banner Health and Nevada Physician Network, Renowned Health. The payment vendor is sending out breach notifications to patients saying their personal medical information may have been compromised. As always, if we get any update from PFC, we will talk to to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Back to the UK now, and tech companies should move ahead with controversial technology that stands for child abuse imagery on users' phones. The technical heads of GCHQ and the UK's National Cyber Security Centre have said so-called client-side scanning would involve service operators such as Facebook or Apple building software that monitors communications for suspicious activity without needing to share the contents of messages with a centralised server. Ian Levy, the NCSC's technical director, and Christian Robinson, the technical director of cryptanalysis, code-breaking, at GCHQ, said the technology could protect children and privacy at the same time. We found no reason why client-side standard techniques cannot be implemented safely in many of the situations one will encounter, they wrote in a discussion paper published on Thursday, which the pair said was not government policy. They argued that the opposition to the proposals for client-side scanning, most famously a plan from Apple, now pausing indefinitely to scan photos before they uploaded to the company's image-sharing service, rested on specific flaws which were fixable in practice. They suggested, for instance, that requiring the involvement of multiple child protection non-government organisations to charge against any individual government using the scanning of apparatus to spy on civilians and using encryption to ensure that the platform never sees any images that are passed to humans for moderation, instead involving only those same non-government organisations. Detail matters when you're talking about this subject, Levy and Robinson wrote. Discussing the situation in general, using ambiguous language, will almost certainly lead to the wrong outcome. The paper was welcomed by child protection groups. Andy Burroughs, the head of child safety online at the NSPCC, said it was an important and highly credible intervention that breaks through the false binary that children's fundamental rights to safety online can only be achieved at the expense of adult privacy. It's clear that legislation can incentivise companies to develop technical solutions and deliver safer, more private online services, he said. However, the idea is not without its critics. Alec Muffet, a cryptography expert who led Facebook's efforts to encrypt Messenger, said the paper entirely ignores the risk of their proposals endangering the privacy of billions of people worldwide. The discussion paper from Lydia and Robinson is not the first time the pair have waded into controversial policy areas. In 2018, they argued for a so-called ghost protocol solution to encryption, where GCHQ would be able to silently add itself as another recipient of messages sent 
to and from a target device. It's relatively easy for a service provider to silently add a law enforcement participant to group chat or call, they wrote. This sort of solution seems to be no more intrusive than the virtual crocodile clips that our democratically elected representatives and judiciary authorised today. To Oklahoma in the US now, an Oklahoma City Housing Authority is notifying individuals of a data incident. To date, they say they have no evidence of actual or attempted misuse of information as a result of the incident. On December 21, 2021, OCHA, the Oklahoma City Housing Authority, discovered unauthorized emails were sent from an OCHA email account. OCHA quickly launched an investigation with the assistance of third-party forensic specialists to determine what may have happened. Through the investigation, OCHA could not work out the possibility that an unauthorized actor accessed OCHA email accounts between November 30, 2021 and December 21, 2021. As a result, it is possible the unauthorized actor accessed certain files. OCHA reviewed those files to determine what, if any, sensitive information was contained therein. This review was completed on June 7, 2022. Thereafter, OCHA worked to locate address information for impacted individuals in order to notify them of this event which was completed on June 16, 2022. The impacted information varied by individual, but may include name, social security number, driver's license or government identification, financial account information, and medical or health information. OCHA are offering 12 to 24 months of complimentary access to identity monitoring services through Experian. OCHA say they encourage all of their residents to remain vigilant against incidents of identity theft and fraud by reviewing their account statements and monitoring their free credit reports for suspicious activity and to detect errors. OCHA have opened the helpline for any residents concerned about this issue on 833-468-0631, Monday through Friday, 6am to 8pm Pacific Standard Time, and Saturday and Sunday from 8pm to 5pm. OCHA has properties across Washington, D.C., Maryland, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, and Rhode Island. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. To Rhode Island now, and a Rhode Island-based job placement service company will pay $230,000 in penalties under a settlement reached with Attorney General Maura Healy's office over the company's failure to implement the proper security programs necessary to protect personal information following a data breach in 2020 that impacted more than 3,000 Massachusetts residents. The job placement service, Trade Source, connects tradespeople with contractors in the construction industry and maintains a branch office in Natique. According to the assurance of discontinuance filed today in the Suffolk Superior Court, the company was hacked in December 2020 after an employee found victim to a phishing email resulting in a compromise of credentials that allowed hackers to enter the system and steal the personal data of users, including names and social security numbers. In response to the data breach, TradeSource provided affected residents with two years of free credit monitoring and identity theft protection. Companies need to have proper security measures and systems in place to keep the sensitive information of individuals safe from hackers, said Attorney General Healy. My office is pleased to have secured this settlement and will continue to ensure companies are abiding by our data security laws and protecting the personal information of Massachusetts residents. The Attorney General's office alleges that TradeSource violated Massachusetts data privacy laws by failing to have a written information security program in place during or prior to the data breach. This document would document an organization's protocols or guidelines to protect the security and confidentiality of personal information. Under Massachusetts laws, companies must maintain a written information security program in order to protect such data. Under the terms of the settlement, TradeSource will pay $230,000 in penalties. Additionally, the company must come into compliance with state laws, as well as continue to implement and maintain a written information security program, 
and continues to train its employees in the importance of personal information security. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. To Australia now, and Western Australia's biggest arts organisations, including the Perth Festival, Black Swan State Theatre Company, the Western Australia Ballet and the Western Australia Opera, have been subject to a massive data breach that has compromised customers' personal information. Customers received an email from the Arts and Cultures Trust saying third-party software used by the company has been hacked. It has come to our attention that your email address and other non-sensitive data you have shared with our organisation may have been exposed during a cybersecurity incident, the statement says. The data impact in this incident does not include sensitive personal information like credit card numbers or government identification numbers. At this time, we're not aware of the data being publicly distributed and or misused. We're alerting you out of an abundance of transparency and because your privacy is important to us. The organisations that have been compromised include Barking Gecko Theatre Company, the Black Swan State Theatre Company, CO3 Contemporary Dance, Perth Festival, Chirwa New Music, West Australian Ballet, West Australian Opera, and the Yura Yakin Theatre Company. In a statement, Minister for Culture and Arts, David Templeman, said he'd been assured that the breach was relatively minor. However, the fact that any breach occurred at all was very regrettable, Mr Templeman said. Customer details that have been shared include email addresses, names and mobile phone numbers. The Minister has requested the Arts and Culture Trust review its data protection policy to prevent it happening again. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Back in episode 125, we brought you news of a massive data breach at phone operator T-Mobile. T-Mobile has just announced the terms of a settlement in a consolidated class action lawsuit, and it isn't cheap. $350 million to be split up by customers and lawyers, plus $150 million for data security and related technology. Estimates for how many people were affected varied. T-Mobile initially claimed it was less than a million, but eventually confessed it was closer to 40 million, although some external bodies say it's closer to 100 million users who were affected. The settlement, described in SEC filing and court filing, doesn't appear to have any separate terms for people who are affected differently by the hack. For now, the class defined by the settlement document is the approximately 76.6 million US residents identified by T-Mobile if information was compromised in the data breach. T-Mobile says it would be writing to all subscribers who are due some compensation. To Italy now, and Doodle faces a fresh antitrust probe after data portability complaints. Italy's competition watchdog has opened an investigation into Doodle over concerns it's abused the dominant position by hindering data portability rights which were afforded to individuals under GDPR. The procedure follows a complaint made to the authority by the operator of a direct marketing platform called Weeple. The Weeple app, which is operated by a company called Hoda, encourages web users to link third-party accounts, such as Gmail and other Doodle accounts, to port their personal data into a digital vault, where the free service claims their data will be masked and anonymised in order that it can be used to target them with personalised offers, i.e. without their actual information being shared with advertisers or third parties, since the app acts as an intermediary. Weeple users are apparently able to generate virtual currency or other rewards, some of which are distributed by prize draw, and potentially earn actual money in exchange for authorising use of their masked data for marketing purposes. The app major also says it aggregates anonymised user data into blocks to trade with marketers, presumably to sell market insights and trends analysis, although the company's website does not clearly explain what it's doing to valorise user data. Notably, there have been previously been concerns over Weeple's approach of levering GDPR data portability rights to Greece's commercial tradability of personal data. Back in 2019, Weeple was investigated by Italy's data protection watchdog and referred to the EDPB 
with an opinion on its approach to utilising GDPR's data subject focused portability powers for a service that seeks to monetize people's data. As the Durante raised reservations about implications of such a commercial purpose being used as a driver for data portability and the risk of ported data sets being duplicated. At the time, the privacy regulators suggested that entities receiving requests for data portability from WePo should consider the GDPR's accountability principle when deciding whether or not to grant their requests. Fast forward to now, and Italy's competition authorities' concerns are perhaps unsurprisingly focused elsewhere on whether Google's conduct might be impeding competition. Although it's fair to say that digital businesses frequently generate cross-cutting concerns with the demand that different regulators, such as privacy and competition authorities, work together to resolve complaints and impacts rather than risking siloed and disjointed responses. Italy's competition watchdog said, In the authorities' view, Google's conduct could compress the right of portability of personal data established by Article 20 of GDPR and could constrain the economic benefits that consumers can derive from their data. At the same time, the alleged abuse could restrict competition because it limits the ability of alternative operators to develop innovative database services. In particular, Hoda represented the authority to negative effects of Google's conduct on its initiative to enhance personal data with the consent of the data owner, which offers innovative opportunities to use such data. In further remarks, the regulator suggested data portability provides an avenue for alternative operators to exert competitive pressure on tech giants like Google, which is described as having established their dominance on the creation of ecosystems based on the management of virtually unlimited amounts of data that it further implies exclusively feed platform giants' own business models. Google, in a statement, said Google has offered people the ability to take out and transfer their data for over a decade, and in 2021, more than 400 billion files were exported. These tools are there to help people manage their personal information. There are also ways that any company can encourage direct data portability in their services, for example, via the Open Source Data Transfer Project, which any company is welcome to participate in. If we get any further update on this, either from the Italian regulator or from Google, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. We hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show and that you found the information useful and informative. We do really appreciate your feedback, so please do email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com with any comments you might have about the articles we've raised this week, or indeed any suggestions you might have for improvements to the show. The GDPR Weekly Show is a insurance production. Please be advised that any advice given during the show is general in nature and should not be taken as specific legal advice. You should always seek legal advice according to your own specific circumstances. Until next time, bye-bye!